You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, February the 24th, 2022. You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, the podcast about all the good pop that gets us through our days. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me to talk about all the good pop, uh, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American, Jess Yu. What up, Jess? Uh, hi, Marvin. Uh, in the words of Bo Burnham, I am not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've been reading, but... A lot of shit's happening. Oh yeah, we are yeah. totally on the verge of um, World War Three. Apparently, um, you know, <laughs> let's celebrate the end of the Olympics with another global conflict. Like, wouldn't it be great if it was just like old times? You're just like, we're just gonna let sport decide <laughs> yeah. the, the world politics. Also joining us, professional coach editor Han Win. Hey, hey! Congratulations, you've survived another Critics Week. It's the final day. I just got finished in time for the apocalypse. Um, so, yay. Well, congratulations. Um, I feel like every year during Critics Week, which happens, what, twice a year, three times a year? How many times does it happen? It's it's only twice a year. And in person, it was two weeks of hell. Sometimes it was almost three weeks of hell. But like now, because it's in the virtual space, it takes forever. Because you can't have... Since there aren't critics in a hotel room, like held hostage, you you know people have lives and things like that, and so they can only do like three or four hours a day. So it stretches longer. It just feels time. like whenever it's Critics Week, you just seem so tired. So I'm glad, I'm happy it's for you exhausting. that you have made it to the other end again. I yeah. also feel like you're always in Critics Week. <laughs> well, since the pandemic, I have been, and that's the problem. Is like I think one tour was three months. Just because they stretched it out so far. And then I think we kind of put our foot down. So this time it was only two months. Um, but it's kind of basically doing two jobs at the same time. Um, like talk about splitting your attention and Zoom fatigue. Oh my fucking God. This time I did the the baller move, but it also it exhausted me, which is having two computers. One was for the actual press conference Zoom and one for, was for work. Oh <laughs> So <laughs> you've turned into one of those like you know how investment bankers always work with like three monitors at the same time. I've Pretty soon you're gonna it. have one of those like you're just have, can have like four monitors. One of them turned upright for your Slack uh, yes. <laughs> messaging yes. service. Yes, I I've considered it. Like there's a there's just so much going on. Like you know at any given time there's no less than thirty tabs open. Um, and and people have made fun of me for that. Sorry, like, right now I'm operating with my laptop monitor, my yeah. secondary monitor, and my iPad to my right. So I, yeah. I'm almost there. I'm trying uh, not to do that, but yeah, I I understand the re- reasoning for several screens. <laughs> uh, well, good thing that you're done with press tour because this week we're going to a galaxy far, far away <laughs> with the book of Boba Fett, uh, the latest Disney Plus Star Wars television series that just finished uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but before we hit that light speed button or lever, it's a lever, right? Switch. Let's find out what pop culture's been getting us through the week. Um, let's start with Jess. What's popping? Well, the Winter Olympics wrapped up, and what an ending! It kind of went out with a big old bit, a big old fart, <laughs> and it kind of, kind of sucks, right? Like Mm-mm. the actual incident in itself, and the whole doping scandal, and obviously the exploitation of young women. Um, but it's also like 
man, it almost like doesn't matter, like all the accomplishments. Like, who's talking about Nathan Chen now? All everyone's talking about is like this women's it's- figure skating chicanery. And uh, and at the end of the day, like it's just so sad, right? It's so sad, like the level of trauma these women mm-hmm. these girls let's be real these like teenage girls are being put through um and it just seems so antithetical to the what the propaganda of the olympics are all about mm-hmm. and the olympics was- already kind of dampened by a lot of just things you don't want to think about when thinking about uplifting sports stories. Yeah. And like Olympics <laughs> on a good year is still controversial, but man, mm-hmm. like, oof. And it just really also, it, I don't know, man. It's just so sad. Like, is, is the older I get, the more I think like nothing is worth like mm-hmm. traumatizing young nope. people. Nope. Like, I think if I was younger, I'd be like, I think if I was like 17, I would have been like, oh, yeah, traumatize me. I want greatness. And now, like, on the other side, I'm like, uh, like, not approaching 30. I'm like, no, let these children be children. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's so sad. I was also just kind of like upset because, you know, while the fairness of it was um, definitely in dispute as far as like all those, these other figure skaters were weighing in and saying, yeah, yeah, she shouldn't have skated. Also, she shouldn't have skated because. Look at what it got her. Like, they should have just said no. She's 15. She could have skated again. You know, I know the window's very narrow for figure skaters, but like, I, I feel like they bent the rules just because of the pressure. And and I feel like this traumatized her even more. Because, oh my God, right? Right. Like, not only did she have to skate under all that pressure and also failed, because clearly if you fall that many times, that's kind of horrifying. But then on top of it, she's kind of like hated by a lot of people. Um, and, and it's not fair to her because she didn't do this on her own. So um, I'm, I'm yeah, everything's tainted, like even beyond just like a doping scandal, like ugh, just everything. Isn't is awful. it interesting that the two for both Olympics, summer and winter, the most, I guess, highly rated um, competitions all involve super young competitors. In a competition with tons of stories about people overcoming like mm-hmm. injury, overcoming age, and all this like great human interest stories. It's all like I feel like the most attention is always on this specific like women's gymnastics for the Summer Olympics, women's figure skating for the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because, first of all, young girls can be exploited very easily, but they also realize that, you know, young girls are more pliable as far as like their will. They're also more flexible physically, like they can do things, Um, but it also traumatizes their bodies. Wasn't this just like legitimately the like premise of Black Widow, the movie? Pretty much, yeah. It, <laughs> like really it's ki- it is, like yeah. we're kind of ta- like honestly, if you cut out gymnastics and insert like Black Widow training program, like it's mm-hmm. kind of the same conversation. And like that wasn't a good idea. Like we we learned that's bad, so we should really yeah. like yeah do something to protect these like athletes and young girls. And it's just I just don't know. Like nothing is worth nothing yeah. is worth. Yeah, it does suck that the narrative of that whole women's figure skating final mm-hmm. kind of did you feel like it tainted like the rest of like because there was still a good like five days of competitions afterwards mm-hmm. yeah and you know it taints the participation of the whole roc 
right? It taints. Yep, yep. The It just leaves a bad taste or garlic. It's also hard to celebrate anything when you just know that there are children being exploited. Like, like it all comes down to, like, children are being exploited. Yeah, it's like it's- every single, like, not every single example, but a lot of, like, the dark side of the Olympics, right? Which is, like, the politics. Like, when you have a country like a Russia, it just makes everything so complicated, right? Yeah, I mean, the U.S. is also complicit in a lot of this, too, right? And it's, I don't know, it's, it's... I love the Olympics. It's like usually a little bubble in which I get to like pretend that, you know, like it's 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 political and it's very like soft powery, but at the same time it is very cool to see like people from a bunch of different countries who just love the same thing get together and just like try to compete the best, you know, and 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 watching these kind of almost superhuman feats of athleticism and insane like bravery and it's it's so sad. And like the, the thing that bugs me out the most is like also like she I don't think they needed this. Like Camilla probably could have won pretty hands down without mm-hmm. doping. Like yeah, she's yeah. I mean this in a very positive way. She's like a fucking graceful baby horse. Yeah, no, she's outstanding. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like and, and even if you listen to the commentators, they're just like, she's such a good skater. Ugh. She probably just had natural ability too. So she Yeah, didn't and need it's like that. very rare when um especially now that I think we're more international and we have internet and stuff, like there's all you can like be fans of some like it's very easy to access and like be fans of an athlete from a different country. Right? Like you could like I don't I don't know if twenty years ago when I was like really into Michelle Kwan, like, you know, like if she had some rival in Japan or Russia who's like also really gonna be like, oh like oh, she's great. Like, I don't even care. She's not American. She's fantastic. You know, like who cares about nationality? Like, she's just so beautiful. And I recognize that she's such a beautiful skater. Like collectively every four years, we all fall in love with Yuzu again. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. You're just like, yes, Yuzu. Oh, Yuzu. Um, And that's also like kind of really fun too, right? Just just appreciate people who are the best at what they do in the world. And it's just, it's such a shame. Like she's just, she was so good. She probably didn't need it. And now like her whole, she's 15 and she's tainted forever. I don't know. If she's going to come back. I don't know if her coach will even let her come back. I, mean, I honestly hope they all just like get to live a very chill, beautiful life afterwards. All the Russian skaters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those poor girls. Well, just are yeah. you excited for the next opportunity to root for international politics through competition, which is, um, France? Eurovision? Oh, yo, oh my oh my god. So Eurovision. <laughs> Eurovision. It's already starting because I don't know if you know this, but Latvia's song is insane. <gasps> Latvia's official song. I don't know I, if I can say this on our podcast, Marvin. I don't know what our rating is. Oh, we're explicit, so it's fine. Yeah, it, yeah. It goes, I don't eat meat, I eat veggies and pussy. <laughs> oh wow. I don't know how what what they're gonna do. Like, can you air that? I Maybe feel, Europe. Do you so you know how there is now an American Eurovision coming up? Yeah, soon? we're not. We do you are think not we'll go that far? That. No, that's the sad <laughs> no, thing. No, no, you no, know no. it's gonna, gonna be. Gonna, you know it's gonna be Puritan not. and shit. It was like <laughs> that's why I was like they shouldn't even try. Which MVC upcoming reality show are you most excited for? The courtship or America Song Contest? The courtship. The courtship. A hundred percent. The courtship. Which reminds me, I need to finish Love is Blind. Um, <laughs> I, I That tells you how busy I've been that I have not watched the finale. It, it's, yeah, it, it, I need to know who, who, ran, away, who ran away. I feel like I want to watch the Japanese. I heard the Japanese version is very pleasant. 
It is. And I already know things about it, but I haven't watched it yet. I started <laughs> watching it, but it was one of those things. This, if you're very busy, you can't watch uh, something with subtitles because mm, you can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Multitask. Anyways, what else are you watching on <laughs> What's Poppin'? <laughs> so, What's Poppin', um, I will give a little bit of a slight preview to something I saw at Press Tour, although it is not premiering until April 24th. Um, but I can tell you the light premise since uh, actual review things are embargoed. So I will basically just tell you the plot and what, who's involved. But it's basically a um, a Showtime series adaptation of The Man Who Fell to Earth. Um, if you recognize that name, it's because um, there was a 1976 movie that David Bowie starred in uh, about an alien who is on Earth. It is actually an adaptation of a Walter Tevis novel. That's, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he wrote The Queen's Gambit. Um, so he wrote some really good novels. And um, so this version of it is actually takes place a little bit after the, um, the David Bowie one because there is a character who has David Bowie's uh, character name. So you get to meet him. So And he's, I guess, maybe older. I don't know. Um, but the alien this time around is played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. Mm. Um, and uh, and they do, the pub, uh, producers do say that there's reason why, you know, race is, is specific here. And then um, the, the person, his main person that he befriends or whatever uh, on earth is played by Naomi Harris, who I also love. Um, and besides uh, Bill Nighy, he's he plays the uh, the David Bowie role. Um, he's not playing David Bowie, but he's playing the character. I mean, Bill right? Nighy does have some Bowie vibes to him. Eh, British. I, like. I mean, fine. he's is he basically gonna be his love actually character, but like a little <laughs> more fabulous? You know what? I would say between the two, he doesn't sing that I can tell. I have only gotten the first two episodes, um, but so far uh, there's there's just interesting things going on. Obviously, since the series, they are definitely drawing out the character work more. And things like that. Uh, there's a good scene with Martha Plimpton in the first episode. So yeah, just lots of good people involved. Uh, something to keep an eye out for. But it's April 24th, the man who fell to earth. Um, and, and that was yesterday. That was at press tour. And today we saw a lot more Showtime things. Um, and Super Pumped is one of them. And it's the story about Uber. And it comes out Sunday. So... <laughs> Just so Gordon Levitt stars in that one, but I I wanted to talk about Man Who Fell to Earth just because I I'm I'm such a Bowie fan, and um, and I was very curious about this, and uh, definitely you should, should check it out. So anyway, yeah, without saying any opinions, <laughs> that was mine. Anyway, so Marvin, what's popping with you? All right, so it's been a pretty busy. I feel like we've all been just super busy yeah. this week, um, but I did manage to catch up on The Gilded Age, which Han brought up a couple of weeks ago. Um, I started watching it because, you know, it's the new HBO Max show about rich people. And I thought, hmm, I like Succession. I wonder if this will be like Succession, but fancy. Um, and a theme for this episode of what I want versus what I end up getting, because I I guess personally, I don't, I'm not familiar with um, Julian Fellows' oeuvre. Mm-hmm. So I did not go and realize that this isn't going to be like a scathing 
satire that I w- was hoping it would be mm. um, instead being kind of a, I guess you can say low stakes. I wouldn't say pleasant because everyone on the show definitely sucks, but, <laughs> but yeah. the show very... seems to want to um, show us, well, they suck for a good reason or but they're actually good people, which I'm not as on board with this being like 2022. Like, yeah, Julian Fellows really loves to like get us try. His whole argument is we should feel bad for the rich people, uh, which is a hard sell mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a hard sell when we call them, you know, robber barons. That's literally yeah. the term. There's a ton of characters in the show. Like Han mentioned, it's about old money versus new money, where the new money are like the robber barons, aka the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers, and in the show, the Russells, played by like the, probably the only two characters that have any chemistry with each, with each other. Um, George Russell, which is like he's the robber baron, but also a total wife guy. Um, yeah. And his wife, who is played by um, Carrie, um, Coon. Carrie Coon, who's trying to break into old New York by any means necessary. She's just like your Irish tiger mom is what she is. <laughs> yeah, I so um, being a person who have has enjoyed Julian Fellows throughout the years. And I do feel like like when you uh, try to record something over something, it de- just degrades every single time. Um, so you still get the the ghost of what you want but maybe it's not as strong as it was in the original version so he did gosford park which is a movie i really really liked which was basically downton abbey 1.0 and then downton abbey came out which is pretty strong but every season i think got weaker and weaker and weaker um and so now there's this which actually is a precursor so downton abbey started out in 1920s um and this is 1882 so yeah it's a it's it's a different thing, and I agree. I I expected it to be very much an Edith Wharton sort of house of mirth, um, really kind of like insightful, um, uh, sort of look with a little bit of like winky humor. But this is all it's basically a soap. The way he did it is it's a soap opera with a little bit of money thrown here and there. Um, he he tries to he tries at least this time it's a little bit better. Um, he does have one black character, and what I'm and if anyone watched Downton Abbey, there was a season where he introduced a black character, and that whole experiment was just like, Ugh. and then like later the next season he was no longer around. But um, but there's such a the fact that this is a story set in America, which mm-hmm. like basically in the eighteen eighteen nineties, right? Like literally a generation after emancipation. Yeah. Um, Jim Crow laws are going to affect in the South. It's an era with a lot of tension. Like, there's so much potential for drama and just like Robert Barons are notorious for just being like ruthless and like pragmatic people. To be fair, I don't know if I want Julian Fellows tackle on that shit. Right. Oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, when people are like Wes Anderson, please, Wes Anderson, do not write black people. Just don't. yes, yes, yes. Like, like. We don't want Julian Fellows writing about emancipation and Jim Crow. And even though a lot of these robber barons literally built their wealth off indentured, like prison labor, Uh, like that's the whole history of Florida, by the way. This is like the only thing I picked up from Florida being in Florida so much. Like all these great mansions, all these great fortunes, 100% built um, by using chain gang labor from black people in the South. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, ter- but yeah, like, we don't want Julian Fellows because you know he's just going to be like, oh, but the white rich guy isn't that bad. Look what he did to the Irish but and like yeah. Tom, remember? <laughs> but even the white guy, like, problems, right? Like, so the Robert Baron in this show literally bullies a man to suicide by like pulling a GameStop, by doing a, a short squeeze on him. And the pulling a games and yeah. the <laughs> and the resolution is I mean that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Marvin. <laughs> and the resolution is I was gonna pull back. It's not my fault. He was the other guy was just so greedy and corrupt. Yeah. I agree that like um I know a lot of my friends, because we all watch like British stuff. We love our Anglophile, you know, like shit. But um they're just like, yeah, but when I see there's an episode with a black person, I just don't want to watch it because they know that it's not going to be done well or it's <laughs> they're there for a point. Um, right. So unless someone on staff is, you know, black and wanted to write this character and the doing is doing it, then so like so far, the black character here <laughs> is fine. She is an aspiring writer and apparently she comes from some sort of success. Her father is successful in right. The like publishing business but um, and the maggie smith conservative old white lady character is totally cool with the black people yeah and so that is the thing i just dropped a mcsweeney's link into our slack um (laughs) basically they said here's here's every julian fellows uh show ever in one episode and it really does kind of play off those things it's like we're gonna write this thing about the upper class and the lower class but then we're gonna throw in a few you know like very uh contemporary points of views that makes no sense for these characters to be saying um, because, you know, there's pushback for how he clearly is, you know, like showing like the rich people as okay. And, <laughs> um, and so, and always he's going to have a closeted character because, you know, uh, that makes sense, you know, to have a gay character uh, in his stuff. That is his, <laughs> his stock and trade, but then always to somehow, make them um more out than they probably could have been in the day is always interesting so uh yeah Yeah. i mean i'm always torn with him um but when he's at his purest it's it's not bad i mean i will say the outfits and the you know the the sets are very beautiful very well made i do appreciate that we have like young hollywood in in this we have you know meryl streep's daughter we have um, vera formiga's younger sister isn't it which like when i first saw that i was like yeah wait younger sister She's yeah, like Taisa. 20 years younger than her, right? Yeah, that happens um, in families. It definitely does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Young Hollywood. And also, like, there are good actors. I really like Carrie Coon. This is, like, the first time that I've seen her in such a very bold role. In the past, she's always had to play understated because, like, in The Leftovers, she was, like, a woman who was grieving. I mean, you know? the, the Russell family, they're, the entire family is just chewing every single scene. They got just it, gnawing on all those gilded fixtures. It, and <laughs> I... I them but also let's not forget the van rhines the son there who i adore i just need him to do more because i need him to be more of a character he's the the closeted one sorry spoilers but um, like at this point it's we're five and you know there's i a, mean you learned that in like episode one so it's fine yeah exactly it's, it's totally fine but like episode one is also when you c- see him come out with sunglasses which are the tiny little specks at the time so it's just like he he looked to me like a david bowie character which i was just like yes um he hasn't quite you know uh lived up to that expectation um i want him to be more more something <laughs> just more anything <laughs> um but i'm also a few episodes behind so maybe he'll catch up and uh he doesn't a, but you know yeah it's 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 fine i i like the era just because we don't see it quite that much um or at least not in 
America or uh, or at least not that place in America, because there's the Old West going on also, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah, it's remember. the waning days of the frontier. I just yeah, I, I think I'm still watching it because I'm waiting for something to happen. And I'm not sure if it will or not, but there is I something think, about the show that it, maybe it's just because I've started it. So like I'm already halfway through, so I might as well ride till the end of the season. <laughs> Um, but I hope someone throws a glass of wine eventually for you, Marvin. <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's going to be drama. I, I pretty much guarantee it. So, um, mm. I have to watch the screeners though. I so I am not speaking from you are ahead of me. So <laughs> I'm not speaking from TV critic ex- experience. All right. Well, I guess I'll guess I'll check back at the end of the season to see if anything's changed yes. on my views we'll of of um, Dalton Abbey. Um. In New York. <laughs> Maybe there will be some like, railroad drama. That would be great. There is. Oh, I mean, do you think we'll get some Chinese people? Uh, maybe next season it's already been renewed well, there was Chinese a railroad people. thing that happened at the end of this past episode so maybe okay. but i mean i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm not holding my breath but don't we did we, we did meet clara barton and also i think one of the asters so that's the other fun thing is like they occasionally throw in historical people <laughs> and they do the thing with like these biopics was like hello clara barton it's nice yes. to meet you Thank you I'm for so Clara excited Barton. to support the Red Cross that you founded. Yes, yes. Clara Barton. <laughs> it's like drunk history without the drunk. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're headed to Tatooine to the Palace of Boba Fett. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about the Book of Boba Fett, the latest Star Wars streaming series on Disney+. Plus about the legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett. It follows his journey after he escapes from the Sarlacc pit uh, from the return of the Jedi, um, attempts to take over the tattooing underworld uh, by starting his own crime family, along with his sidekick and enforcer Fennec Shand. Um, and then halfway through the series, it becomes just The Mandalorian Season 3. So, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we can talk about that. Um, I guess, general impressions, what did we think of the book of Boba Fett? I want Jez to talk first, and then Marvin and I can talk because we both like Boba Fett. I think, right? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Disclaimer: I don't really have a relation to Boba Fett. I think that, um, like, I mean, like he. Let's be real. He's barely in the actual original trilogy. Like he gets eaten really fast. Um, I, I, I kind of have weird memories of the prequel series with the weird like. Boba Fett, Django Fett thing, like whatever, that totally didn't really stick with me. I thought, and so as someone with very little emotional connection to the character of Boba Fett, 
And as someone who actually does not care too much about the whole alien aspect of Star Wars, which might, I don't know, does that make me like a species? Mm. <laughs> I actually was a little like confused, um, especially at the beginning. I think the first episode, especially, like, is really, really banking on that you just know what this character is about, who he is, and like what the situation is. And as someone without that knowledge, I was like, what the fuck is going on? It is kind of a weird start. And throughout, like, watching the series, like, not even like the first few episodes, like, throughout the, all seven episodes, the thing that kept coming to mind is like, I have no idea what Disney slash lucas is trying to do with this series it looks like they're trying to do a lot of things and not necessarily very well yeah and then at the end of the day this is really again just you said mentioned <clears throat> before this is just the setup for mandalorian season 2.5 mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean like how my expectations were subverted for the gilded age i feel like this show is pretty much it encapsulates the star wars experience for me like what i want is not what i got but I also understand that what I want is not necessarily what other people want. And I'm sure there's tons of people who love this Boba Fett that they got. It's just, is this the Boba Fett that we deserve? I mean, so to go back to your initial thoughts about how you have no attachment to Boba Fett, I think for me and I think for a lot of fans of the original trilogy um, who watched it as they, they were young, Boba Fett was always this mysterious kind of intimidating bounty hunter, right? Like he was the one who brought Han in um, from Cloud City to turn to Jabba the Hutt. He has a cool jetpack and he just has cool armor. And for like, I think a good 20 years or so, that was all we got of Boba Fett. We might have gotten some expanded universe things, but he was always like this cowboy, right? This bounty hunter and just like comes in and kind of is like just really good at what he does. So to get the character that we get in this series, which is, a guy who wants to be a good guy crime lord is just so weird, right? It, it's to me, weird. at least. And it's also like everything you said, I think they made deliberate decisions to not do that for this show, which then makes me, I think there's like a disconnect between me, like at least knowing that, like, because like, I have people who are very into Boba Fett in my life. And like, I understand like the lore, like basically what you said, like he kind of has a cool outfit. He has a cool jetpack. He's supposed to be the best bounty hunter. But also, like, I've watched the episode where he, like, fucking yeets himself into the <laughs> Sarlacc pit. So that seems, like, not true. And then, like, the first time we see him, he's, like, armorless, right? They take his armor. He's fucking, like, being pwned by a Jawa. And, you know, like, all this kind of, like, um, all this kind of stuff, like, you know, like this whole like we've been conditioned to be like, you don't take off the helmet, you don't take off the helmet. And he's just like, you know, he's he's armorless, he's helmetless. And he's like, yeah, just give it given his stuff away to people to clean. And it's just like, I'm so like, wait, am I supposed to be rooting for this guy? Like, Dude, he's not very cool. He's not very <laughs> good at anything. Again, getting pwned by a Jawa. To is be fair, tough. he just spent like probably a week in like stomach acid. So he's not exactly okay, at his but best. He- himself into the worm <laughs> yeah so this is this is where i caught gotta say like i 100 agree i'm one of those people who really bought into the mystique of boba fett you know um we counted it up literally less than seven minutes of screen time 
Oh. Um, and he spoke, what, four lines and all this other stuff. So the image we built in our heads was really way cooler. And this is me, again, admitting that my favorite characters were all had no eyes and didn't speak much. So like Racer X, um, Snake <laughs> Eyes, and Boba Fett. You know, I have Han I had a, loves men in masks is what she's saying. <laughs> there's 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 a certain uh, air of mystery and I think badassery that comes with that <laughs> sort of thing. And so no matter what, whoever they unless they found someone who's similarly like kind of laconic and whatever, um, once they took off the helmet, I think mo- a lot of people were going to be upset in one way or another because it wasn't going to match. Because for me, just keep the helmet on like. Um, it just keeps it so much better. Um, now then, you know, if we're talking about just accepting what we got, right? <laughs> like, that's what I wanted. I didn't get it. Um, Tomorrow Morrison, again, still doesn't fit because every single time, like, like Mr. Protocol Man is like, sorry, we don't have room in the appointment book. Boba Fett wouldn't stand for that. Well, he would not give a shit, right? He, right? Boba Fett would be like, fuck you, I'm doing what I want. But instead, Fennec Shand has to stand step up, which, again, this is why it should be the Fennec Shand show. Um, so, like, even with without the, you know, the armor, his actions don't fit the Boba Fett that we knew. So it's kind of like, what? And if, if, if they were going to give him, like, let's say, a redemption arc, like, bad guy wants to be good, which is basically what this is, I feel like we should have seen a little bit more of the interiority and the struggle of, instead of instantly wanting to adopt the, uh, the biker kids, you know, and all that, and, like, train the uh, Tuscan Raiders <laughs> how to ride bikes and stuff. It's just like, where did this guy come from? Why well, is he everyone's dad? Well, you see, he Why went through he? he went through a Dance with Wolves storyline in between and became a good guy who loves his adopted culture slash planet, even though he's not from Tatooine. Yeah, I, I, I saw they did that, but I didn't actually feel it's it. It's also weird because yeah. he's a fucking Mandalorian. Mandalorians are already a very strong culture based on adoption and taking people in. like. I guess I mean uh, to be fair, I'm not the most well versed in like Mandalorian, like like Star Wars lore. Like my timelines are all foggy, and I know there's like a big snafu with like the Civil War and all that stuff, and that's happening like in this world. Obviously, it's a big kind of plot point in the um, first show, Mandalorian. But it's just like I don't know, it's like so weird because I think basically what we're saying we want from Boba Fett is the characteristics of the Mandalorian. But they already made the Mandalorian show, so now you have a show about two a different Mandalorian. And so how do you differentiate the two while still, like, I, <laughs> kind of, like, ex- bringing the, like, things we know from the canon? I feel like he's not a Mandalorian anymore. But, like, know? we don't see that, right? Like, we don't see that no, decision. No, I, like, I agree. <clears throat> yeah. Right? I mean, not to be, like, all fanboy or whatever, but, like, he's mm-hmm. he was never really a Mandalorian to begin with because yeah. he's a clone. He has, he has armor. And I would even go far to say, like, Jin Jarin, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. that we got from the Mandalorian series, he's also a soft boy inside. Like, he wants to be well, the hero he wants that. to be the good guy right well it works but that's the thing like if you're gonna make a show a different show which i mean let's be real is not a different show <laughs> it's like another backdoor series for grogu and yeah. petro pascal to come this in which should not have been called the book of Boba Fett. i feel it should have just should've... been the mandalorian season three Right, and Colin, then pe- the book of Bull- yeah, <laughs> and then and exactly, exactly. So then it would set up expectations. I'm sure that they were just happy to like, do you surprise think people. Halfway through production, they were like, "Oh shit, 
this isn't working. We need to bring we back need to the bring, Mandalorian. Bring back Grogu. <laughs> bring back baby Yolds. Bring I mean, back baby Yolds. I mean, knowing the amount of production that goes into this, probably not. But it's also, again, I feel like I understand where you're coming from because it was kind of literally just like cut this series in half. And then first you got the dances with uh, Tusken Raiders. <laughs> and then um, and then you get the Mandalorian season two. Or three, whatever. I'm sorry, but like anytime, like you bring, I mean, they, they, this is, I'm I'm getting spicy. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to speak the name. So, like, when Ryan Johnson was making, Mm. or what, and I mean, Ryan Johnson, I think think we're all last Jedi fans here, right? Yeah. But I think when JJ Abrams was like talking about making the first movie and restarting the series, I mean, they had an issue, which is like, once you bring in a Skywalker, specifically Luke Skywalker, yeah. it becomes the Luke Skywalker show. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so that's the thing. I'm like, you can't call this the book of Boba Fett and then bring in Luke Skywalker. Sorry, spoilers. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, like, you can't bring in Luke Skywalker and Baby Grogu and Jinjarin. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, this is not the Boba Fett show anymore. Like, why yeah. would you this, do that? It's this such is- a Disney move, right? To like... It's like they learn all the wrong lessons from like every Marvel movie post Avengers, right? Because they tried to Avengers this series. It should have been called like Boba and Friends. Um, <laughs> well, here's yeah. the other thing because uh, that sort of struck me, which is we see this all the time in uh, sci-fi and this one included. It's like, yeah, I understand the Western influences and I know Westerns also come from like samurai, but like oh. hearing the daimyo, daimyo, yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's a real word from a real culture. Yeah, here and that, on our earth, that, why would you not change that? That really bugged me. Uh, yeah, me too. It's it, it's like I mean I'm I guess I'm glad that they're not just using chopsticks randomly. That would be weird. But, it's big. Um, we're serving rice crackers at Oga's Cantina at Star yeah. Wars Land. You well, know, like yeah, yeah. There, but there are so many weird things about the mix of as you were talking about creatures. But then there are the aliens and then there are aliens who are like the creatures. So like this one is full of that. And it was kind of fun in some ways. Like you got to see two huts, the twins. Um, And then you got to see a new Wookiee who's kind of like the great, uh, the most interesting man in the world in Wookiee form. Right. (laughs) Kind of like gray and like sort of older looking like a silver fox. It was weird. Um, Kirsten. (laughs) Um, Kirsten. Kirsten. I know it sounds like Chrysanthemum. Like Kirsten, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and of course, I really like um, Cad Bane. He was. Yeah, he is a a transplant from the Clone Wars animated series. Like he's a recurring Yes, I recognized him from like animated, which I thought was weird. But then you, that's why it always gets to be a weird. He is what Boba Fett should have been. Just a cool bounty hunter man, right? This should have been just a. Battle of two cool bounty hunter dudes. And like Tamura Morrison, I mean, no knock against him, but I guess the character that he was given was just so like every other character in this show was more interesting than Boba Fett. All Boba Fett did was go around and say, hello, I am Boba Fett. Yeah. It it seems so (laughs) spineless, right? Yeah. I didn't How do you go from the world's, I mean, I guess he had his five year dances with Tusken Raiders. Tusken Raiders. Okay. Okay. That's weird, right? Because Tamura Morrison is. A can we talk about this? Man, yes. right? Can we yes, talk about yes, this? Yeah. Yes, please. It is so fucking weird. Yes, to have an indigenous man have a, a dances with wolves experience. For those of you who do not know what dances with wolves is, <laughs> it is like the textbook white savior trope. And to have him 
basically be the Kevin Spacey in this No, part. no, no. It's Kevin uh, Kevin Costner. Costner. <laughs> Sorry. The ultimate white savior man. He only plays white saviors. Um, he's very good at it, I will say. But mm-hmm. it's such a weird move. And then on top of that, the like the execution of so much things. Like you're trying to you inherently cannot humanize a group if you do not give us the ability to understand them. Yeah, yeah. Literally, so, the language is just like right? you get to hear only his comments, and then you hear like whatever language they yes. created for them. So, mm. so, so, so I think they thought they were trying to do something about make a comment about like the indigeneity part, and you know, especially given that if this is based off a of Western and Westerns typically erase that part of the frontier and the native experience. But then like you, we don't ever get to connect to the Tuscan Raiders because we don't understand them. Yeah. The, it was, it was actually found that very annoying because I actually just wanted to hang out with the Tuscan Raiders without this guy sort of like getting in the way and making weird commentary and just being like, here's how to use this piece of technology, you backwards person, you know? Um, yeah, it's such a, mm. it's, it's such a bad look. And it just seems so like, I think I truly, it kind of, it just feels like, you know, white men thinking they were doing something and then totally missing the point. Yeah. I mean, okay. So that aside, that was definitely frustrating to me and very weird. And then we also got like raw, Road Warrior things. There was a mishmash of stuff. Yeah, there's um, some, some definitely some Mad Max in there. Um, yeah, and also yeah. cyberpunk because mm-hmm. okay, like mm-hmm. cybernetics has always been a thing in Star Wars. Both Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker are both technically cyborgs because they do have a robot hand. But I feel like the cyber gang that Boba Fett adopts into his crime family came. They look like they came from a whole different show. Also, please take a moment and just repeat that sentence. Like, what what is the theme of this show? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is happening in this show? And I mean, when you have cyborgs, right, that's potential for a, an allegory about body modification, transhumanism. Like, there's some, like, there's a subculture there that's about kind of having the body that feels right to you through modification. But again, stuff I want to see Versus what I got is totally different. Yeah. It, this was like, it literally was like the the review where basically all of your friends, it's like, who's available? Okay, we'll write you in. Um, and same with genre. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we, we besides cyberpunk and Mad Max and, and Westerns and the White Savior Chop, we also got, let's see. Um, oh, oh, oh. Everybody saw King Kong. <laughs> we got that. Um, we, and somewhere in there is like a crime story where the oh, main character. It was the Godfather. Just, yeah, yeah. Where the Godfather was actually the lieutenant because Fennec Shan is a way better crime lord than Boba Fett will ever be. Just give her the keys and let her run things. Yes. And I would say, and this is a very bad uh, comparison because Tamara Morrison does not have the Vin Diesel charm but i did get a little bit fast and furious from this because it's this bald guy going around and everyone who's mean or bad he somehow gets them on his side and working for him so <laughs> it was just like i was kind of after a while i was like can can bad guys just stay bad guys at some point so eventually they had to create new bad guys um after a while and i think that's kind of what you see here is like 
okay, we're not we're gonna try to slightly humanize the the uh, Tuscan Raiders, but then we're gonna also humanize. Let's say we're gonna make this Rancor monster cool and nice, and then we're gonna make these other people nice. So then we have to create new bad guys, and then you know next next movie they'll bring them back to their side. But you know <laughs> it is called Star Wars, not Star Friends. <laughs> okay, let there be wars. Let there be discord. And this franchise is called Star Wars. Yeah, I I think there's something about the fact that they couldn't quite figure out once they made Star Wars into a live action TV show. Like the Mandalorian worked out because there's a cute Grogu and that's all the kid stuff you need. But here it feels like they definitely were just like, oh, well, since it's an old guy, we got to kind of have to make sure that like the kids know that he's not bad anymore and um and we don't yeah. have a cute kid for him to interact with so i think gonna- what we have here is just like dave filoni is like he's a great he's, he's a good yeah. showrunner he does he some is. really cool stuff but he's also a huge fanboy and a huge nerd and i think his nerd tendencies got the better yeah. of him towards the end I think of this what series excites him may not always be the best thing in service of like a watching experience <laughs> uh, for like lay people also want to point out that even though dave filoni was a major influence and executive producer on this this was a john favreau show mm. so uh he he he's definitely done some fun things in the past but also other things that are not that great and i don't know if i see him as a series uh creator i think him maybe as a one-off movie on that guy. note as well i do want to point out that the best episode of the series episode five which is, has mm-hmm. nothing to do with boba fett um was directed by bryce dallas howard yes 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 <laughs> yes i because you see the rotating friends uh directing episodes so you also like robert rodriguez and stuff like that but yes bryce dallas howard did the best one and, and i was just like I, I i'm sort of mad that they just sort of backdoored mandalorian in there but i also know that I, that's why i enjoyed the back half of the season <laughs> um i was like you can't just rest on like having your guest stars man i just watching the show just makes me want a fennec shan show because mina one is awesome and her character is actually good at what she does and mm-hmm. i want the timothy elephant like justified and tattooing show yeah yeah uh, his cop band is also pretty cool. I, I I definitely like to see him too. If they just do Justified in Space, I'd be happy. Um, do you guys remember um, American Outlaws, the movie with Colin Farrell and Ali Larder? Uh, it's like from two thousand and one. Vag- I want that in space. Can they just sure. make that in space? <laughs> yeah, I think great. I am actually not opposed to westerns in space. Obviously, like I think yeah. it's it's a tried and true formula, but I don't think this one worked. There's so many elements. I just like. Yeah, but then I really think it was like spaghetti at the wall. The um, world building was a little mm-hmm. light because they drop a lot of terms. Like Ming-Na Wen is also used as an exposition machine because she's always mm-hmm. explaining things to Boba Fett. And, but you never get a sense of what the underworld of tattooing even looks like. And the fact that there is such a huge underworld with like five crime families <laughs> on this like supposedly outer rim planet with like small villages and where people have to farm water. Uh, a part of me is like, can we just get off Tatooine? Like, we just, can we just find another planet? Like, can there be another sand planet? Like, you cannot tell me we're still discovering shit on Tatooine. Like, also <laughs> fifty years later, we already had a Dune. We already we don't need spice on a dusty 
planet anymore. <laughs> like, come on. Can, can I get like? Can I get like a fun? Another fun planet? Like, can I get a different kind of? Like, can I get like a like a more tropical planet? Can I get a? I mean, if you want to talk about a noir crime family stories, let's go back to that casino planet, or let's mm-hmm. go to like Coruscant, mm-hmm. like one of those urban places where like at least we'll see more than just dunes, right? Yeah, or or at least do something better with it. Like, I don't mind Tatooine. Like, I I prefer Hoth. I think Hoth would be fun. It's also probably bigger budget, uh, but there, yeah, yeah. But you know, and I really m- one of the things I liked, and Dave Filoni was a huge part of that was the adding way more fauna to all of his shows, and I think that like then crossed over to the the movie universe. So I'm happy that we got to see so many more critters, uh, but there could be more. Um, and I just I don't know. It's such a hodgepodge. It's kind of like I, I, I have so many just thoughts about minor weird things. Uh, yeah, I guess, <laughs> but they don't go anywhere. Yeah, I guess. Um, let's just get to our last question: Is the book of Boba Fett good pop? Oh. And I'll start by saying, I don't know. I love that Tamora Morrison and Weena Wen are heading up a Star Wars project. Like the fact that it's a Star Wars TV series starring a um, indigenous Pacific Islander and a um, Chinese American is awesome. I mean, who knew that this was something that that could happen in Star Wars? But the fact that the show itself kind of fell a little short, right? Like Hans mentioned, there's so many interesting things that the show does and could do, but just doesn't, it doesn't come together. It doesn't um, coalesce into like a fun or even like interesting show. I uh, yeah I agree. I'm very torn about this show um, because you know it's familiar. There's so many familiar things that you know you keep watching, but I am also upset. It's like this was the opportunity to have a show about non-force people that would have been mm-hmm. cool. And as much as I love Grogu, believe me, I do. Like when he was going through his re- rehashing the trauma, I was like, no. But uh, <laughs> you just, it, but. You had to rely on him and Mando to bring it back. And Grogu is force person. So it's like, I, I really, it could have been something else. And I think they tried. I just didn't think that they get got it, like, at all. They and didn't then, need to yeah. make it into, like, let's bring together this band of plucky misfits to accomplish something. It should have been. Try to suicide squad it. Yeah. It, yeah. it should have just been a gritty crime story, right? About yeah. uh, ruthless bounty hunters rise to power in, like, the criminal underworld. Yeah, or do a better job. Like, watch some heist films and figure out how to bring a band together where that's really fun and cool. No, they tried to do the heist film for Solo, remember? They're not going to touch that yeah. again. <laughs> I, they should, though. I actually didn't mind that one. Um, I thought Solo was fine. It was fine. It was totally <laughs> fine. I, another I, hot take. Another hot take. Solo <laughs> was perfectly serviceable. What do you think, Jess? <laughs> I mean, it's always great to get more diversity and color in Star Wars. Um, can't deny that. Love the fact that it's... But, you know, I'm going to... They did them dirty. They yeah. did Boba Fett dirty. And yeah. I think anyone who's been waiting 40 to 50 years for, like, Boba Fett to crawl out of that Starlight pit, like, mm-hmm. I'd be pissed. Yeah. Uh, go back into the Starlight pit, dude. My head can't... I think a lot of people's head cannons would have been better. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if how much of it is... I'm also like just very against this move of pop culture having to do homework to understand <laughs> what the fuck is going on. Like, I totally get if like there's Easter eggs that enrich the experience. Mm. Um, and I think 
you know, like in the past, uh, people have been doing that for a long time. Like we've been in that area for a long time. I think this is a, one of the shows where it's like definitely like if you do not understand what's going on, like if you don't have the whole history of Boba Fett of these characters in Clone Wars, the animated series, if you haven't watched two seasons of The Mandalorian, like none of this means anything to you. And I think that's a bad way. Like I don't I don't want to have to do homework to understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I have one more question for you guys, which is, does the Book of Boba Fett make you worried about the upcoming shows that I'm way more excited for, like (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi and Andor? Andor. I think Obi-Wan has such a richer well to draw from, and his character is so, his character is so much more fleshed. Um, And I do trust Deborah Chow, who Mm -hmm. did, I think, did some of, I personally think they did the best episodes of the Mandalorian. Um, so I'm actually not too concerned about the Obi-Wan thing. And we kind of know where he needs to end up. We know where he started. We have the whole back history of the Clone Wars animated series, and we know where he needs to end up. And we like, we know where he starts and we know where he dies. <laughs> so I think that's like, there's some set parameters in the canon that actually makes it easier. Um, I am looking forward to his turn because in the prequels, he's like a swashbuckling, like wisecracking adventure man. And in the original trilogy, he's kind of like a sad old man. Yeah. So like also you and McGregor just has sexual chemistry with anything yeah. he looks at. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's great. And 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 he's not going to be upsetting like my head cannon, really. Mm. Not really. So yeah. yeah. It should be okay. I feel like with Andor, like again. I want a cool spy story, right? Like, yeah, it should be spy. I hope there's no force users pop in all of a sudden. I hope, you know, it's it's much more. The thing, like, I feel like the Disney thing is gonna just get in the way because they're always gonna make it like fourteen, PG thirteen, yeah. fourteen, and like Andor is kind of the perfect opportunity to get really fucked up. Also, there's no chance of any Grogu or Mandalorian because we all know. Andor dies before the first movie. So, well, Grogu is like how many years old? Who the fuck knows? They're gonna find a way to insert that baby in everything. Um, but I feel like those have maybe like stronger identities of either the convention of type of story they're telling, like we're doing like a spy noir thing, versus like okay, we have a very set character. I just think like with Boba Fett, like because it was so open and like. It was so like you already have another show about bounty hunters. So how do you delineate it from that other show about bounty hunters? And then you, re- I guess somebody was like, "Oh shit, we can't let's combine them." <laughs> I mean, I'm still open. I love any like opportunity for more Star Wars in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know you're excited about the return of um Christian Hay- Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me, sir. Put some respect on his name. Like, I think it. I think it's gonna be fascinating because I let's be real, like. George Lucas, my guy, he did him so dirty in the prequels. Hayden Christensen is not he's not he's not like the most amazing actor, but he's not a bad actor. It's just like what do you do with weird shit? What do you do with such <laughs> fucked up dialogue? What do you do with like like how do you how do you perform that, right? Like Natalie Portman, who we know is a good actress, could like barely do that shit. <laughs> It's like so. I'm I'm really interested to see what will happen when when hope maybe he gets better writing and better directing. Yeah, and you know he's <laughs> he's still hot, and I'll probably still love him 
and defend him to death even if he sucks because I, mean, I love him he was the ultimate wife guy i mean he did choke her and that was not a good look and um but you know he taught me what love was <laughs> i just love him a lot don't ask this is, i know it's fucked up but like he has a special place in my heart well looking forward <laughs> to talking about those star wars stories with you when they come out I might not be. I might not be alive. I just might be a fucking puddle. <laughs> mm-hmm. If they do, if they do Andor and Obi Wan in like back to, I'm I'm not gonna be able to. Fu- no, no. <laughs> On that note, that'll do it for our discussion of the book of Boba Fett. Um, that might have been our most spicy discussion <laughs> on the Sorry. history of the yeah, show. I know, I know. But who there's just a lot thought? of like, who would have thought the Star Wars episode would be where we would air all of our grievances on Star Wars? But that's just the nature of Star Wars discourse wherever on the internet. So, what are you gonna do? Please don't add us, but please do follow us on social media. Just but like, on- very clear. <laughs> I still respect the efforts of everyone who made the show. Nobody should die or kill themselves. Like. It's just a TV show. <laughs> on just where can people find you on social media? My trash takes are on Twitter at just you tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find my spice at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, we'll be back next week with our monthly news segment. Do we want this? But until then... Um, may the force be with you I guess <laughs> and also with you bye stay safe bye everyone bye. gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.